Shabbat Shalom. Shabbat Shalom and uh, Chag Sameach. You know, it is a different feeling, obviously, to stand in my office in the synagogue and look at a screen rather than standing in the sanctuary and look at people. And one of the things that strikes me is that all of these books that surround me as I stand in my office, all of them came from a sense of something missing. The author either felt something missing in his or her life that needed to be filled by words or something missing in the world that needed to be contributed by words. But in some sense, all creativity, all creation is motivated by a sense of the void, a sense of the lacking, a sense of loss. And I move to this thought by the fact that on this day, two books that we celebrate are clearly the products of that void, that lacking, and that loss. First of all, of course, on Shavuot, we celebrate the giving of the Torah. And the Torah was a product of the deficiencies of human beings, of the losses that Israel had endured in Egypt, and the emptiness of the desert, and the necessity of filling that with meaning and with guidance. But also today, we read the book of Ruth. And although you may not remember the story so well, in very brief outline, it is a story that is driven by a deep sense of loss. Naomi, has two sons and the two sons are married to Ruth and to Orpah. And not only has Naomi lost her husband, but she's lost her two sons. She's going back to the land from which she came, to Eretz Israel, to the land of Israel. And of course, very famously, Ruth agrees to go with her. Not agrees even, but eagerly urges that she go with Naomi. And you realize that both of them carry tremendous sorrows, tremendous loss on the way back to Israel. Naomi has lost all the men in her life, her husband, her children. And Ruth has lost her young husband. And she and her mother-in-law make their way back. A lot of our losses are silent losses. We don't always tell people, this is what I mourn and this is what I miss. And in the quiet of night or perhaps in the silence of an afternoon, we stare out the window and we think of the losses of our lives. And we realize that in some ways they are so intimate 
They are so unique and so special to each of us that they're hard to share. And yet there is a desire still for others to know what it is that we feel and who it is that we are. And so when Naomi goes back, she tells people, don't call me Naomi, call me Mara, which means bitterness. As I read this, rereading the book of Ruth for Shavuot, it all of a sudden struck me that that word is used right after the Israelites leave Egypt. They come to a place called Mara, a place of bitter waters where they complain again bitterly to God because they have nothing to drink. And I want to offer an interpretation of the Baal Shem Tov because what it says in the book of Shemot, in the book of Exodus, is they came to Marah, but they couldn't drink the water of Marah because it was bitter. But the Hebrew gives us an opportunity for an interpretation that the English grammar sort of forestalls. The original says, they couldn't drink water from Marah, ki marim for they were bitter. They could mean the water, but as the Baal Shem Tov points out, it could mean the people. Why did the water taste bitter? Because the people were bitter. Because they were angry at what they had endured. And even at all of the tremendous upheaval on the way to the desert. And it was the bitterness of soul that made the bitterness of water. Because generally, even though life has bitterness and sweetness, the way we react to it has to do with the constitution of our own souls. And that's why the story of Ruth and the word Mara in Ruth carries a powerful and hidden lesson. Because in Shmot, Mara is spelled correctly, Mem Resh He. But when Naomi says, call me Mara, it's spelled Mem Resh Aleph. And in fact, there is a little note at the bottom of the text, if you look at the Hebrew text that says, Essentially, this should be a hay, not an olive. But what does an olive represent in the Jewish tradition? It represents silence. Aleph is the first and a silent letter. Think about the bitterness that Naomi expresses and the silent bitterness that she feels. And then what happens? Let's think of that silence for a moment. The silent sadness, the silent sorrow, the silent suffering. Because for all of us, when we go through any kind of pain, there is that moment of silence in which we not only absorb the pain, but we decide how will we react to this pain. Let's 
what will it make of us? How will it change us? And there is one possibility, which is it will change us into bitter people. As happened at Marah. But that is not what Naomi chooses. Instead, Naomi chooses to help Ruth build a new life that will redeem both of them and ultimately redeem the Jewish people and the world. Because you know, Ruth's child is the ancestor of the Messiah. It's all in the Aleph. It's all in the moment of silence when you decide Will this be a sorrow that sinks or a sorrow that soars? Will this be bitter or will it lead me to renewed effort and renewed hope? As you know, speaking this morning, it is a bitter time in the United States, not only because of the pandemic, but because of the tremendous tragedy and the riots that follow and the sense of victimization in the death of George Floyd and the tremendous injustice that we see on our screens as a helpless man crying out is killed. And we have to decide in this moment what will scenes of injustice and of pain make of us? Will it be destructive or will we build something better? Will the water be embittered or will we look for redemption? What is it that we will make of the Mara, of the bitterness in our country and the sorrow in our lives. I pray, and I know that you do, that we learn as individuals and as a nation the lesson of Naomi and of Ruth, the lesson that you can take sorrow and make it redemptive that you can take sadness and use it to build a better life and a better world. So may it be God's will and ours.